every Monday YouTube is like how to not procrastinate. I'm like, I'm already doing it. Go away. <laughs> Way ahead of Leave you. me alone to procrastinate in peace. <laughs> There are some people that would buy anything that's kind of sort of Christian magical. Mm -hmm. Like if you tell them, just have this little bag of dirt from Arsenio Boca's grave and you will be lucky at your exams, they will buy it. It's like in the Middle Ages, like there was a whole market for uh, all, all, all sorts of splinters from Jesus's cross, the finger of I don't know which saying. I see it as gym bro stuff, like take this creatine and you will be just as big as Arnold. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's You'll all be the same. bigger than Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's all the same. So it's uh, the creatine for the Christians, for the Orthodox <laughs> Christians. And uh, you can pack that. You dry scoop it. Yeah. <laughs> and sell that. Just pick something for me and I, I will deliver, I promise. Okay, so one of the questions. <laughs> how does your... I'm not trying to be anti-Semitic. How does your nose speak to the rest of your body? <sighs> I'm jealous. <laughs> and uh, guys, she has the book with Hitler looking at me. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, it's a history <clears throat> book. How dare you? to start off with a bit of hashtag mom gossip oh we can't do without i mean <laughs> it's a must <laughs> this is the way we bonded for so long <laughs> we still do <laughs> so remember that actually before the pandemic i used to go out with some friends and we'd play uh, dungeons and dragons yeah. and at one point uh i was talking to my mom on the phone and i told her about this and she was like oh what is this so of course i gave her a brief explanation about how board game sessions go and what we do and stuff like that and she was like oh very interesting <laughs> and then a few months later she came to visit and she was like Vala you told me about board games so I bought you one but this is like for smart people oh god <laughs> <laughs> so what you did was fine for your stupidity yeah. but let me level up she was Beyonce <laughs> yes and as listeners uh, might uh, remember uh, Elizabeth Lisa mentioning my mom, uh, the cult leader. <laughs> I love my, my, my mom is very much into like all the new agey religious stuff, like everything. She's into everything. And she bought me this board game and it has like the whole shebang. It has like tokens and it has like this thing, which is like a twister thingy. And it, it tells you where to go on the board and everything. And then the cherry on the top is a set of cards with questions that are addressed to your emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical dimension. Weak, weak. We are living in the 5D now. And I would like you to... Uh, do you want to pick a color? Uh, or or uh, should I give just, you... Just pick something for me and I, I will deliver, I promise. Okay, so one of the questions... <laughs> On the for the physical dimension is how does your I'm not trying to be anti-Semitic how does your nose speak to the rest of your body? <sighs> I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, guys, she has the book with Hitler looking at me. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, it's a history <clears throat> book. How dare you? So yeah, my, my my nose is fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I've countered it this morning <laughs> to look smaller. <laughs> so, how does my nose speak to me? Like It doesn't. It's a nose. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sorry. You're not in touch with all your dimensions. I've just touched my nose. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an another good one on the cards yeah. is like, if you would be stirring with a ladle in the soup of your emotions, which ones would you pick out to eat? It's a soup. <laughs> it's already disgusting. I don't want to pick anything. I just want to throw it away. <laughs> oh my god. Ah, yeah. Moms. So, pam 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 pam. Today's topic is a very pleasant one. Yeah. <laughs> In the wake of Tate's news. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I don't know uh, at what point this episode will air, but <laughs> the news today <laughs> is Mr. Andrew Tate. Top G has been banned. 
Yay! And uh, to celebrate this uh, rare, wondrous occasion, <laughs> we've decided to talk about the to- toxicity of hustle culture. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to bring something new to this conversation, although, you know, everybody has covered it pretty much. But, like, you know. But have they read Tarot for a Drug Dealer? No, they yes, haven't. Yes, so. exactly. So what I'm bringing here is a real the, deal. the wonderful experience of uh, Larissa, who she is storytime incarnate. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so if you don't live under a rock, you've probably noticed that on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, hustle culture is... Uh, it's back. Yes, it's, it's back. It's still a thing and it's back and it's uh, full force. And it's all the same if you, if you look at it from this perspective, like hustle culture, how to get girls, how to make money, how to be extra super thin, slick, or whatever the trend is today. It's all the same. You have a cult leader, and then you have all the bullshit that follows the cult leader, and it always looks like a pyramid. And they're trying to show you how to make it in life, while they themselves haven't. Because if you look at their businesses, their only business is screaming on the internet how to make it in life. Mm -hmm. So okay, have you actually done what you're saying or it's just I should do it? And it, it's a very long story. It has always been a thing. Like poor people are poor because they don't work enough. Like you need to work super hard and sacrifice a lot to actually make it. And yes, you ha- you have to work hard. I mean, nobody says you can sit on your couch and be rich. But then again, there are so many other things that you have to do. So we wanted to talk a bit about Tim Ferriss and Gary Vee, which are the opposites at the spectrum of work hard, get things done and make money. Like Tim Ferriss comes with, you have to work four hours a week, kind of. He doesn't. (laughs) And Gary comes like, I will record from my first burp in the morning to my last fart at night and post it. And for somebody with reasonable brain, they will look at it and say, okay, so what should I be doing? Like, I have a job. I mm-hmm. might have a life that I, I, I don't want to drown my kids. Maybe I want them to see living and enjoying life. And um, it is a question of, did they actually do it? Do they actually have actionable advice? Or is it just story time on, on YouTube? I look at it as story time for men. And also it's sort of LARPing as the guy who made it from like rags to riches because as you said it they, they're only famous and rich by playing being famous and rich but they were they were rich even before yes, yes, because yes, if, if you listen closely to their stories they are not poor people they have no. never been poor we're not rich by any means mm-hmm. but then again our families are well off so we were successful even before being born yeah that's yeah. the reality you, you win the lottery in many ways even if you're not rich just by having you know a family that's not that's nice dysfunctional or very poor or if you don't live in a country that's torn by war for instance yeah so this is what we talked about like they were already winners Mm -hmm. so trying to show other people that yes you can do it i'm fine with it but i also think it's extremely stupid Mm -hmm. let's say you want to sell some dirt from uh, arsenius boca's grave i I will not mention other details (laughs) and um, you just want to hustle and make some money and you take some dirt you have to outsource everything this is what they tell you 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 can't do it yourself you have to outsource and you have to you cannot touch the stuff no and you're selling (laughs) because if you don't are outsource you cannot be on your grind so how are you going to grind if you're actually working? Like they, they don't match, you know? I understand through grinding, like uh, looking really deep into your laptop mm-hmm. and not understanding what you're reading. <laughs> this is how I understand grinding. I, like. I mean, it, it's so weird because in a way, this is a bit like way back, like when you had a more divided social structure and you had like the old, old money, so to speak, and the new money. So the nobles would look down on the merchants because they were like, what, you work? for your money like (laughs) and then you know the merchants would look down on i don't know the carpenter like you 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 use your hands to do actual things (laughs) but it's all the same like the bros have to be on their grind nobody knows what that means but they're on their grind and they look down on people who have a job because you have a nine to five like ew (laughs) then the nine to fivers look at somebody who works in a shop or delivers their food like ew you know so it's it's all the same 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> redone. But as, as we were uh, going the story, like you have to outsource everything. You have to look at some scammy thing that you can sell. But mm-hmm. the problem with scammy things that you can sell is that they are really easily copyable, let's say. Mm-hmm. And you've put it on the market. And in the next 15 minutes, some guy from China will sell uh, Arsenia Chokas. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, by the way, we keep uh, making fun of the five listeners that are our <laughs> friends listening to this podcast. But apparently... The, uh, we have the, six. The analytics, yes. <laughs> we have six. Uh, we, we actually have uh, people from Ashbourne, Virginia. So the US listening in. So hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those who aren't from Romania, Arsenia Boca is... How should I define him? A, a popular saint, but not actually being sanctified. He was like a monk uh, in the interwar periods. Uh, and I think... During uh, communism. And during communism. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the main reasons why he's popular, because he wasn't all that special in terms of no. whatever he was preaching or stuff. He basically has a, a picture that is very often used in anything that is supposed to market him. And he just looks uh, like a lumberjack daddy. Christian porn. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So that I think that's uh, the main contributor to his popularity with our moms. <laughs> the thing is, uh, he was made popular because there was nothing to sell for the church in this area. And there were no popularizable saints, let's mm. call them, because he, while he was living, he was looking nothing like that picture. Mm-hmm. Like he came out of the communist prison with no teeth. So he, <laughs> he wasn't looking like that. Um, and he never said anything himself. All the books that you read are collections of meditations done by other people after he died. Mm-hmm. So it's not about him. It's about the idea of him being sold. But the church had nothing marketable for mm-hmm. this area because they tried to have, let's say, a saint or something for all the, each all area. The, all, all the good saintly stuff was usually was in, in the east, in, in the Moldova. Moldova, in Moldavia. Yes, yes, yes. So they had they to... Have a mo- they had a monopoly on saints, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they had to come up with something. Yeah, Transylvania being a more mixed, ethnically yeah. mixed area with people who were uh, either Protestant or Roman Catholics or other denominations, yeah. yes. So um, it's the bros from the Orthodox Church <laughs> making up uh, Arsenia Boca. And he has the grave. The thing is that the communists buried him somewhere because they didn't want people to actually create this idea of a saint. Mm-hmm. So the grave is, it's not an actual grave of the person. Yeah. So you can sell dirt from that <laughs> grave. Basically, if I go in front of your block and pick some dirt, that's Arsenio Boca's dirt from his grave. There are some people that would buy anything that's kind of sort of Christian magical. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell them, just have this little bag of dirt from Arsenio Boca's grave and you will be lucky at your exams, they will buy it. It's like in the Middle Ages, like there was a whole market for uh, all, all, all sorts of splinters from Jesus's cross, the finger of, I don't know which saying. I see it as Jim Bro stuff, like take this creatine and you will be just as big as Arnold. Like it's, it's, it's <laughs> You'll be a bigger than Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the same. So it's uh, the creatine for the Christians, for the Orthodox <laughs> Christians. And uh, you can pack that. You dry scoop it. Yeah. <laughs> And sell that. The idea came from the Jews that sell the soil from uh, oh, okay, and oil and holy water. Everybody who comes from the Holy Land comes with those gifts for the relatives. Mm-hmm. And it has some dirt, some water and some holy oil. Nobody knows what the fuck is in there. But that's the gift you receive. And I was like, if that sells that well, mm-hmm. well, why shouldn't dirt from Arsenia Boca's grave sell that well? And it did. It did. But the problem was that some guy <laughs> with, with more <laughs> sense of humor than me <laughs> actually bought the brand of Arsenia Boca before the church ever had the idea to and started to this is why copyright is cancer yeah, and started to end all the church's hustles oh. with Arsenia Boca uh, the hustle is still going don't worry because the church doesn't care and they will not pay fines or anything else. You're not going after the Romanian Orthodox Church unless you're... <laughs> you, you, you can, but the thing is they have so many other companies and mm-hmm. usually the business is done on the black market, let's call it. It's, mm. it's not, they don't pay taxes on the books yeah. they sell or on the candles or on anything else. So he couldn't actually enforce the brand, but uh, I didn't want to get into a discussion with him. So I ended that, but it was a lot of fun while, while it lasted. Mm-hmm. 
The website also sold some uh, really popular pictures with Jesus with the sheep and the sheep had glitter. <laughs> and it was wonderful. I, I saw one. My my mother-in-law actually bought Christine one. Christine Kitch. Yeah. And we we also had uh, the ones with the lights in them. With LED the lights. Yeah. <gasps> and you can start the lights. And or the, the RBG Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And, and the lights pulse and it's uh, fucking awesome. <laughs> the, the Jesus uh, during a rave or something. <laughs> well, uh, people like that and buy that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> It was a lot of fun while it, la- while, uh, it lasted, but it, it had to end. So this is... It went the way of the gigs. Yeah, because this is what a gig is. A gig or a hustle will end in six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Because it's a product that's so easily replaceable. Mm-hmm. You are so easily replaceable on that market that it, it just cannot last. There's nothing original. It's just you selling bits and pieces from everybody else's life. It's a bit like a bug in a system, in a software, yeah. right? It's, you found uh, like a glitch in the system and then you're exploiting it for a while. Yeah, but the, the problem is that people tell you you will create a company or a legacy and that's where you lose the money. Hmm. Because if you're smart and you know, oh, this will last for six months, so I'll better pump this up. Mm-hmm. And you know that when the six months end, you should have no stock because it will not sell mm-hmm. and you should not pursue this any further. You will make money. But if you insist on it and keep the website for 10 years and try to rebrand and purchase new stuff, it, it will not last because people have the, the stupids who buy that stuff <laughs> have already purchased your stuff and now they are looking for the next gimmick. You know, mm-hmm. for the next fidget spinner, for the next slime. This is where the difference between the scam artist and the scammies comes into place, right? Because as you said, they're, uh, they sold their stock to everyone yeah. down the line and then all the suckers are left holding the bag. I also saw people that were at their, I don't know, sixth or seventh gig like this that were insisting this is going to be the business. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a hustle. So th- this is what, what people don't say and what Gary Vee doesn't say. The, the hustle, hustle has, has to, to end. end. It's just like theater. At one point, the curtains will close. Mm-hmm. And if you're still on stage screaming, there's nobody left. Everybody <laughs> went home. So you're screaming at, at, at emptiness, you know? Yeah. And what's fun, I saw this in cybersecurity too. They tried to make it like, oh my God, there's not enough people working cybersecurity. You have to get into cybersecurity. USA wants more cyber specialists. Yeah, they want the ones with 10 plus years experience. They don't want you mm-hmm. who just know how to spell cybersecurity, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, the ones who are making the money from cybersecurity are the ones selling the courses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. hi. Yeah. <laughs> look, look how we're going back and Sounds chasing familiar. our tail. <laughs> so... Again, if you look at the courses and you look at the people who sell that and at the people who create the hunger for those courses, you will find out who the hustler is. And you have to know that it's going to take six months and it will all end. Because I I saw people that were like, yeah, but we can make a better cybersecurity course. Everything that needs to be said has been said. You don't have to make a new course. And if you will make it, the six months will pass and nobody will want to get into cybersecurity because it's difficult and you actually have to work (laughs) for your money. And... Again, you're left with the hustle, you know? I think that what's being sold is the instant coffee of money. It's like three in one. You have to work three jobs and make a living. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. If you want to make money, it's going to take a lot of time. Time will pass anyway, so don't worry about it. You don't have to work three jobs. You don't have to look at Gary V and his vein pulsing. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting for that stroke to happen. Yeah, you you don't have to see his stroke life. And if you want to look at somebody who who talks about this and who really brings some perspective, it's Casey Neistat. He's on YouTube. He's friends with Gary Vee, actually. Mm. And he talked about his year when he posted every single day a video. He will tell you that his marriage almost fell apart during mm-hmm. that year because he worked so much. He will tell you that he was extremely stressed, that, yeah, he made a lot of, uh, a lot of money, but in the end, he had to move back to Los Angeles because it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. He was trying so hard to also have friends, family, and a life while working that much to make the money. And in the end, it was not worth it. If you look at Soft White Underbelly, the other YouTube channel that mm-hmm. presents the problems with the American system. And you look at the story of that photographer that takes the interviews. Uh, he was the, f- I, I can't remember his name, but he worked for Apple for a very long time. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what he said also, that he was making a lot of money, he was working really hard, but the, the lack of balance brought the divorce. Yeah. Was it worth it? Not really. So yeah. you, you have to put everything into perspective. You can make a lot of money. You can be extremely happy, extremely happy and have it all. But you don't have to make it instant. They they try to, to sell you the story of instant. This is the hustle culture. This is the grab 45 girls in one night. <laughs> but can you actually fuck 45 girls? One? I, I'm, I'm just asking the question. Nah. Like, you might only need one girl two times a month. Like... <laughs> And that's all you need, and you yeah. will be happy and fine with it. I, I, I think they're they're tapping into this very rich soil of all the anxieties and insecurities people have. Because, FOMO, FOMO. Yes, yes. Because I remember, and this was a few years ago. I went through a phase where, after finishing university, I felt very displaced. I mean, it was also on the tail end of the financial crisis, but it was also the impact of someone who was uh, a good student, and I got appreciation uh, in that environment, in the <laughs> labor <laughs> labor uh, environment, especially in the context of the crisis. They were like, fuck you, we don't care about you. And it, I've, I felt devalued. I felt like, what, what even What's is happened? my worth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I then went into the cycle of perpetually feeling like I had to catch up to everyone else, to everything, to... I didn't even know what my endpoint was, what my priorities were, what I wanted from life. I just continuously felt like I need to chase something. And I realized that for someone who is in that position, and most of us are in at least at some point in our lives, uh, this uh, this sort of hustle messaging is like... Um, it's crack. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. crack. It really is crack. Yeah, and it it obviously it just makes your anxiety worse, but it also uh, gives you this feeling that okay, now I'm in in charge, I'm in control because I'm focused on doing something about how I'm feeling. But it actually does not help at all. It just it just feeds off, and they make money off of your fr fragility. So but to speak. I think the best medicine because we live in a world where everything is accessible. The best medicine would be looking at all the Kim Kardashian seasons. Because no, 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 no. How so? I have a point. I have a point. So you know what? You look at her now and they try to make her seem like an instant success. Mm -hmm. And it's an instant success that is 20 years in the making. Okay. And if you look at the first episode and how awkward she was and how different she was, she was never ugly. Let's say it as it is. She was never ugly, but she, she was not smart talking and smart dressed and secure mm -hmm. uh, in herself as she is now. And if you look at all the seasons in one week, um, you will feel better about yourself because you will have the perspective. I had a talk with my husband last night and he was like, I remember how you were when you were 28 mm -hmm. and I look at you now and I have hope because now I'm where you were then, back then, and I know that you can actually achieve your dreams. I haven't achieved my dreams, like it's nothing major, but I'm happier with my job. I'm happier with where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to to see the perspective, you know, the full rainbow and not just, you know, you see red and you're like, oh, my God, I'm not red. Yeah, but <laughs> to get to red, you might need to go through green, Pink. <laughs> through, through green, through yellow, through whatever, you know. So this is why, why I don't like this gig hustle culture. You, uh, For example, Dave Rams, you have to pay your debts in six months or you will die. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck off. It is a mortgage. It's supposed to take a bit longer. It is what it is. If it makes my family happy to purchase a book mm -hmm. or for me to be home two extra hours, and I will pay that mortgage one year later. Also in the previous episode, we've just seen what paying your mortgage too soon does to a country. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I was like, this is not okay to say that. To people who are already, you know, when you have problems, you're already a bit stressed. And these messages don't, don't really 
touch a, a, a good side of you. Usually they touch the side that's deranged by something, you know, like you're, I will have a six pack abs. And it's, it's the equivalent of fat shame, yeah. fat shamers going like, well, I'm actually doing you a good by, you know, shaming you and making you whatever. I rather not because I, I, I'm not a beggar. So I didn't ask for, for, for you to do any good to me so thank you but no thanks keep the good to yourself <laughs> you know like um, I, I see this obsession um i i have a wonderful boss and um she tried to lose weight so many times that she went to an operation mm-hmm. to lose weight and i was like like how much shaming the society puts on people who are amazing in everything she is patient she is a wonderful mother she's a great wife and she was a bit chubby you you have to push and pull at that little thing until the person unravels like th- this is why i i don't care for hustle culture and i think gary v and tim ferris can go fuck themselves because they have started and perpetuated this mm-hmm. and it's not a good example i would like somebody to show me kim kardashian in the 20 years she took mm-hmm. to be kim kardashian there's so much to this because for instance i remember how eye opening it was for me uh, when i got a look at things like work in progress or drafts or things yeah. like that of like writers artists and so on and you see like the awkwardness as yeah. you said or the uh, trial and errors or the things that were like oh this is so cringe but like you could see the seeds where it's of, going yeah yes 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 and then you realize that being able to do what you like and then maybe down the line being appreciated by others as well for that thing is just well, of course, there people have different uh, talents and different levels of talent. That's true, but it's mostly uh, what we get to see and appreciate as the output of others is the fact that they had the courage and the confidence to be like, I will go through this awkwardness. I will go through all these steps of, and it will take time, but eventually there will be something. It's never the... Oh, and then one night the light, the lightning just hit me, and I was like, "Bang!" An instant I got success. Yes. <laughs> Fuck off! Fuck off! You and your instant success. Uh, and actually, even uh, just doing the the episodes for this podcast, it has been such a nice moment that I share with whoever is my guest because. Most of the people, they have a certain level of anxiety because they're not in any way media trained or used to talking uh, uh, in front of a mic or anything else, especially when they're first time guests, but not just then. And everyone at the end is like, oh my God, was it good? Is it going to be shit? Oh my God, I was so uh, nervous. I said something. Oh, can you cut out if I said something stupid? And uh, by the end of it, when they listen... Uh, up until now, everyone was kind of happy with the final with the result. result. Because, yeah. yes, I mean, you know, you, you trim and you cut, you trim and you cut. And uh, eventually you realize that, well, you know, especially if you come back uh, and you do it again and again, it gets incrementally better. You, you still have your, like, days when you're like, oh, my God, this this is such an unstructured mess and whatever. But, like... There is, uh, the, the, in the general picture, you can see the progress and actually that becomes the satisfaction rather than, and then they went viral and it was, uh, everyone was talking about them. It's going to go viral. <laughs> it, it has no chance but to go viral, but it takes time and it's good because you don't want to go viral on your first episode yeah. when you're utter shit. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not going to be a good look. Now that we talked about uh, how to hustle, <laughs> let's talk about the other Gary Vee thing, how to be productive, productive. productive. and how to not procrastinate, because <laughs> that's another subject. That's, just, that's a touchy subject. Every Monday, here. every Monday, YouTube is like, how to not procrastinate. I'm like, I'm already doing it. Go away. <laughs> Way ahead of Leave you. me alone to procrastinate in peace. <laughs> The whole thing with productivity is that it relates to you and what is productive for your step in life. For a kid, playing is the most productive thing they can do. For a woman in her 20s, the most productive thing she can do is have her cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) And that's productivity at its finest. 
<laughs> because uh, also this idea of productivity, like every minute of your day, you have to be doing something that brings value to others. My best ideas at work, at home, mm -hmm. come when I go and make myself a cup of coffee mm -hmm. and look at how the birds are bickering with the cats in the front yard. Yeah. So that's what's productive for me. And if you were looking at to me from the outside, you'd be like, oh my fucking God, this lazy <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and it, it's just not that. So what even is productivity? You, you had something to say about it. Oh, I mean, I always do. <laughs> I read an interesting book actually a few months back. And uh, I think the guy is called Gavin Mueller. Uh, and the book is called Breaking Things at Work. Uh, and... It was mainly about automation, but uh, the topic of productivity is also brought up and efficiency as well. And what he argued was that this so-called increase in productivity often just means people doing sort of soul-draining, repetitive tasks, which in turn makes them easily replaceable and lowers their position in front of employers and, of course, makes employers a lot of money. And that you cannot really expect anything positive as a worker at least, from anyone selling you the idea of boosting your productivity, if that productivity is only measured from the point of view of the employer or the person who is, like, already rich, as you said, you're like, who are you being productive for? Yeah. The problem is that, for example, the company I work for only in Romania has 10,000 plus employees. Mm -hmm. You cannot let people be artisans because everybody will understand something else from the process. So you have to split things into small little tasks that can be trained and can be done repetitive at their best. But the thing with productivity is it kills your vibe. Whenever I am extremely productive, like I know I have a super big list that I have to do this week or else. Uh, it's going to be the week where I do everything acceptable, like B plus, mm -hmm. but nothing great. Yeah. Nothing amazing. And then I have a week where I do one or two things and I do them spectacularly. Mm -hmm. And that's what productivity is. It is a way to finish some tasks that have to be finished, but not necessarily at your best. Yeah. And we have to understand that that's what it is. It's the broccoli of life. You have to have it. But, but you will like fart. It's, not <laughs> you will fart. it's going to be a farty night. It is what it is. And uh, you can't sell the idea of productivity like you have to be productive all the, all the time. All the time, all the days of the year. And the employer pays for you for 40 hours to be productive. You, you might be extremely productive. But then you might end up like the main character in the movie The Shining, where, you know, the he goes insane and he just keeps on typing. Uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy and then kills everyone. So uh, what happens is burnout. And I've seen that in my colleagues. Uh, we work by no means something that can be... Uh, quote-unquote productive mm -hmm. like you you cannot put this into a framework and repeat it but it's extremely soul draining and if you're just being productive and you have no other side projects or side quests that bring sliver of happiness to your life it's going to be horrible and you will burn out yeah so the whole thing the whole shtick with productivity is also a scam or i see it as as a scam and as fomo like you want to be promoted. That's awesome. But it might not happen in that company because if they promote the hardest worker, they have seen what you do for that money you are already receiving. Why would they promote you? Because you are already working a lot. Those mm -hmm. repetitive tasks very and doing a very good job. So if you want to get ahead in life, you have to have a balance between being productive and being smart about it. Like it might be productive for them, but it might not be for you. For you, it might be productive to just look at something else from your company that you can learn or mm -hmm. something that you, somebody you can talk to or have a break with somebody that's maybe smarter or higher up than you. And that might be productive for you. Also, I think it's a very important thing to highlight that productivity, although it's usually understood as you being able to make more money, this is not all that it can be. Like you have to be really honest with yourself because every person is different and every person values and draws happiness 
happiness from from different things. So even you might find yourself in a position where, yes, you can get that job that is better paid, but that comes at the expense of time you can spend with friends, with family, or doing other hobbies. And then if you, at the end of the day, feel unfulfilled, are you really productive in the positive sense of the word? And let's look at productivity. I mean, let's look at Africa and the women there who are extremely productive. Like, yeah. Uh, they carry that water like Superman. And what does that give them? Like, th- mm-hmm. they can survive. And that's that. What, what good does the productivity of uh, the working poor pretty much everywhere in the world do for them? Because people who are poor generally work so much yeah. more. And the work they do is so draining and taxing, both mentally and physically, right? Because often yeah. it's also physical work, but it also entails them uh, working in toxic environments, in you know, socially toxic environments, and, and putting up with a lot of abuse. And so, yeah, productivity for so, whom? So the, the idea of productivity is how do you make productivity work for you? Because we we also had this talk about how not checking every item on an infinite list and not being absolutely productive every second of your life might get you to a lower self-esteem that in turn destroys the bits of happiness that you still have and mm-hmm. makes you even more unproductive in the eyes of others. Yeah. So... Is it really something helpful or is it just another diet culture thing? Um, you know, you have to have the six-pack abs. You, ha- <laughs> you, you, you have to be put out. Why? I'm an accountant. I don't need a six-pack abs <laughs> to balance the checks. <laughs> I can do it with a pot belly. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you see, it's, it's all a perspective of productive for who and productive for what. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to be super productive this week and destroy my mental health. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? No, 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 no. Just no. to make mom happy. Yeah, and, and we, we all have stories of the productive people. For example, uh, going back to our wonderful mothers. Mm. <laughs> I love you, mom. Yeah, hi. <laughs> so my mother was not really motherly. She never was. She never will be. She she tried her best. God bless her heart. But she just wasn't. So what she did to escape us was to book every hour and every minute of our time. So me and my brother were always going to some sort of classes. We were going mm-hmm. to school. Then I was going to swimming lessons. Then I had piano. Then I had English. Then I never had a free moment. And what that... To just play around with a stick in the dirt. Also, I'm a, a huge introvert. So one of my favorite pastimes is to sit with a book or to sit with a cup of coffee in silence. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> around. <laughs> so um, for me, it, it, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I never had time because I had to finish homeworks for school and for everything. To me, it was so draining that when I got to to leave home, the first four years, I did nothing. And I flunked so bad in school. And I, I knew what's happening. It was like, oh my God, I'm failing in school. I know why I'm failing in school. I'm not doing my homework. Mm-hmm. Because I was so drained from all the stupid productivity, stupid tasks that I had to do my entire life until then. And I know what it does to you. It destroys your soul and it gives you a sort of PTSD. Like now, when I see somebody trying to jam my uh, schedule, I I just look at it and I I sort of panic. Do I really want to do this? And this is why I don't have any friends. You're my only friend. I don't really have groups of friends or friends Mm -hmm. because I get so scared to be overbooked and overproductive in any area of my life that I block. And I say, okay, no, no, thank you. This is not for me. To me, it's so hard to maintain friendships or to maintain a relationship over the years because I feel like it's booked time for my schedule and I have to put something in there. So being productive, it will destroy you in ways that no psychiatrist can fix. (laughs) It's going to cost you so much money and happiness. Uh, these gurus are also extreme introverts. Like, uh, I, I look at Casey Neistat and at Gary Vee and at Tim Ferriss. And if you're an introvert and look at them closely, you can see the masquerade. Like, they can only activate the masquerade when there are cameras. If you meet them in person, they will be in their corner happily isolating themselves <laughs> from all the bullshit. <laughs> 
So yeah. Wallflowers of the world, unite! <laughs> But is it a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, my best ideas and my best self comes out when I'm not quote-unquote productive. Mm -hmm. So when, when my schedule is blocked, but I'm not doing anything, that's the best time to think. Yeah. And I come up with super good ideas that I share with my also unproductive friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then we end up with the one I feel seen. <laughs> and then we end up with a project that's so awesome and new and makes us so happy. And we do that project in a burst. And when, then we crawl back <laughs> into our layers <laughs> of unproductivity, you know? So uh, to me, this is fun. And when I had a boss who was trying to force us to open the cameras, I told her that mm. the company doesn't pay me enough to, <laughs> to show my face on camera every day. So <laughs> go away. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, this thing with balance, it might be productive for you to, you know, search for vouchers online. That might be a good use of your time. Mm -hmm. It might be a good use of your time to read because you expand your knowledge and you do all this wonderful stuff for your brain. But to a company, it might not be productive. For them, it might be productive that you get to log on your computer and do not log for 10 hours. Mm -hmm. Log off. You don't even go to, to pee. Like you are glued to your computer and you work for work. But that's not how life works. Yeah. Um, I was looking at some guru from 10 years ago, Shalene Extreme. Now it's Shalene Johnson. She was oh. from Beachbody. People who, who have tried to lose weight, I'm sure they know who I'm talking about. And she was also a productivity guru in her spare time. <laughs> she had a lot. <laughs> oh, God. And she was like, oh, I had to write this book. So the best uh, productivity trick I have is to hire somebody to uh, clean, cook for you, and also uh, make all the shopping, like clothes. So she had two personal assistants already. It's called the servant, honey. <laughs> and, and the advice she was giving to people who didn't even have time to go to the gym, they, they were buying a DVD to get fit. You, you, you have zero time when you do that. Was to hire three people. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, girl. But then again, <laughs> so you, you have to be careful who you take advice from, because to you, the, the best uh, exercise, fi fitness exercise and productivity tip would be to go shopping and look for, you know, deals mm -hmm. and go to secondhand stores and learn how to sew or do something like that. But for a company... The productive thing would be for you to work that Saturday. At many points in time for the companies, it's not even important that you do tasks that are in any way useful to them. It's just like to you be being to the there. Yeah. Because they consider control as productivity. Mm -hmm. And th this is where your internal balance comes in. Like, do I want to, to be quote unquote productive or I don't? One, two, three. We sing! <laughs> <laughs> so we know that making the right decisions during crucial points in our lives is important. But how do you recognize the moments when these decisions have to be made? Uh, because often they're not signaled by like a big neon light. Aren't they? <laughs> oh my god. Know. Maybe I'm not looking for them. I... I don't know what to say. I mean, we, we had to make some decisions that only rock stars do. <laughs> I'm really proud of us <laughs> in that aspect. And it, yeah, guys, it implied our mothers. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but then again, you know, it's when you want to look at Gary V. <laughs> That's usually the time. If your emotions are so high, For something, that's usually the um, the point where you have to to make a decision that will make or break your career, your life, your whatever. But the good thing is you don't have to worry because you will have to do it again six months later. So yeah, <laughs> just get used to it. Uh, we talked a lot about career in this podcast because this is what I do. I career. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? I career. I career. <laughs> So we, we talked about me uh, changing a job after three weeks. Mm. And we talked about me leaving mid-interview <laughs> some jobs. <laughs> and we also talked about me saying yes to things and then um, not doing them. <laughs> Although that's not in my character. Mm -hmm. So I, I really had to fight with myself to do that. How, how do you recognize something? I, I know my emotions are super high. Um, I tend to watch... Uh, Team, uh, not, not Tim Ferriss and uh, not Gary Vee, the OG one, 
Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Oh. When I'm watching Tony Robbins, it's that decision. <laughs> it's that decision. And I, I put Tony Robbins on and he's like, and you're going to be great. I'm like, uh, probably not, but I really need the hype. <laughs> so how, how do you know? How do I know? Yeah. I guess when I, I uh, get those weird feelings, like I can physically feel what I'm sort of thinking. I don't know how to express that. But uh, I think uh, there were like moments uh, a few years back when I would just get so jittery or... It's the soup of the emotions. <laughs> yes, the soup of the emotions. Uh, where I would... Luckily, luckily, I had friends, good friends that I could just call up and tell them, look, I'm feeling things. <laughs> I cannot really express what and why and when it will go away. But I feel like I, I, I just want to ramble on. Can you listen to me? And they were like, yeah, sure, go on. Uh, I had this as well uh, at some point when I was a student and I had to make a decision about, you know, what to do for the next uh, couple of years. And I just felt like, look, I don't know how to express. And I, I think I'm quite good with words, generally speaking. But uh, in those moment, uh, moments, I'm just totally unable to, to articulate what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling it very strongly. Uh, like I said, it physically feel my feelings. <laughs> and how, how do you know you're making the right quote-unquote decision? Oh, I don't. I just hope I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, when I was a kid and people would ask me, oh, what do you want to be uh, when you grow up? Oh, I had like a different thing for like every month, Diana wanted to be something different. So it, 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 was, it was never a thing that I knew, look, this is professional area Whatever, or anything yeah. that I am focused on and interested in in particular that came sort of later on, way later on. I I've always been very curious about even things that I don't have a particular passion for. If people I encounter express their passion for something, I'm very drawn to that. Uh, so I didn't have that. But what I kind of knew from when I was already from when I was a kid, I was like, I kind of want to be happy. <laughs> So yeah, I, I wanted to be happy more than anything else, more than being famous, more than being rich, more than being, I don't know, a career woman, more than anything else. I wanted to be happy and I kind of had a definition, an evolving this definition. This is what I wanted to ask, like what, of, what does yes, happy mean? I had an evolving <laughs> definition of what that happiness meant because of course when you're a kid, happiness means something else and then as you grow, it also grows with you. So I, I always try to fit what I'm doing at a certain moment in my life to what my definition of happiness is at that point in time. Well, to me, it always felt like I'm, I'm watching some Tony Robbins. So when I'm doing that and I'm fidgeting a lot, because mm -hmm. I'm not a fidgeter. Like, I can stand still for hours. Uh, <laughs> so when when I surprise myself pacing and talking, I, uh, I have... Red flags, red flags, yeah, just pacing. Yeah, I, I, I have a golden pig. And when I talk to the, the pig, that's usually the point where I'm like, oh my God, something big is the going golden, to happen. Tell me about this golden pig. I'm obsessed with those uh, piggy things. Oh, the piggy banks? Yeah, the piggy <gasps> banks. And I have, I don't know, like 50-something piggy banks at my home oh. and I, I have one that I, I, I particularly love <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, the, the, the Jewish part <laughs> the I, I wanted to say you're, but, you're but, living up to some stereotypes yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, five husbands later in 26 piggy pants <laughs> And this is like the, the prize uh, piglet of them all. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not only piggies. Like I have doggies Aww. and all sorts of things. And they're all like piggy banks. Piggy stuff. banks. <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I talk to that piggy bank, that particular one, oh. and the thing is, I can't tell until I'm really deep into my <laughs> mind, you know, like, like I'm pacing while talking to my piggy. And while does it have a name? No. <gasps> And while Tony is blasting that the neighbors are like, what the fuck is happening into that bitch's home? Because you, you know Tony, Tony, he's like, yeah. And everybody's like, is she going to war somewhere? <laughs> so 
Yeah, when when that's happening, I usually surprise myself like five days deep <laughs> into that state, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, maybe I should, uh, I, I don't know, uh, take a bath or something and take a chill pill. So th- there are always signs mm-hmm. to to that that moment where you have to break something because that's the thing. Things are kind of sort of rolling Mm -hmm. not really and you know you need to break it uh, and Break to, the cycle. Yeah, and to do something completely different. But you're you're so afraid to do it because things have, quote-unquote, worked for some time now. Mm-hmm. And this is how it was with my job. This is how it was with my, my divorce. This is how it was with a lot of things. This is how it was with my relationship with my parents. I, I was in a point where whenever I, I changed my career or, or changed my job, my father was getting so anxious this, that he was calling me and telling me all the bad things about the next company I wanted to go to Mm -hmm. or how I will not be able to face the challenges that I will have there. The most supportive parents, Brian. He he was trying to be, in his eyes, he was trying to be supportive. (laughs) I shit you not. And uh, it got to a point, you know, I'm I'm human also. Spoiler. (laughs) So, uh, and it, it got to a point where my emotions were also high and he was calling me two hours a day and telling me all that nasty stuff and I had to have the talk and I, I knew it will not go very well because my, my father is a very I don't know macho man macho, and, macho. and I, I, I knew he will not talk to me for the next six months like I could call or text or whatever and he will not answer and I was pacing like he my father was talking my phone was on mute like he could not hear Anthony Robbins screaming and me talking to the pig while I was pacing through the house. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this is why I said that y- you were like, there's no neon sign. If you look close enough, th- th- there's Anthony Robbins screaming <laughs> at you from the closet. So <laughs> there kind of is a neon sign. But then again, you know, how, how do you know you make the right decision? You don't. You don't. You, you, you don't. just hope. Yeah. Uh, if you're very attached to a path, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Because the path doesn't exist. You are making the path as you go along and you, you don't even know where are you going exactly. But if you have a goal in mind, have you actually failed? You will get to that point and have it. But if you in your mind are forcing yourself, for example, uh, I wear a 41 shoe. If I would be so unhappy about it and say, oh my God, I need to wear a 39 size shoe. Mm -hmm. How would that help? It doesn't. And I I just have to find the things that fit me, you know? But the goal to look put together can be achieved with a 41 size shoe. It, it, It doesn't depend on... The, the, the size you're at. So this is why I, I emphasize the goal thing and not necessarily the path. And th- this is also with, uh, as, as we talked with productivity and with, uh, you know, hustle culture and everything. Yeah, you have to have goals, but being super attached to a path and being super attached to a way of being will make you super unhappy. Mm-hmm. Super unhappy. And for what? You, you will not achieve what you set out to do because who, who could have told you that COVID is coming? Nobody. Who could have told you that a financial crisis in the way it did when we finished school mm-hmm. was coming? Yeah. Okay. And how, how would you have prepared for it? You were 19 or 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, it's really stupid to think about things as I have to walk a certain path when the path doesn't even exist. And th- this is why I, I dislike them so much. <laughs> like, they're liars. <laughs> liars and cheaters. <laughs> Scammers. <laughs> so, you know, look at me becoming my mom. <laughs> Live. <laughs> Live. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, th- this is it. Now, let's end this on, on a happy note. People are going with their planes vacationing. <laughs> and we, we, we had to stop several times yeah, because, because it was interfering with the recording. Yeah. So we hate you and your vacation. This is our happy place. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Share, like, and subscribe. That keeps the internet alive. Bye.